You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Rosvoglu Report, if you haven't already. And check out Instagram, Straight Up Saints. And if you haven't, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple. It definitely helps out the podcast move up the rankings. Now, we have a lot to talk about for this episode. And frankly, it's because of Drew Brees. Drew Brees has missed the past four games. We're not 100% sure if he's going to play this Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. But he has been designated to return, which basically means the practice window for him is officially open, then the Saints have three weeks to figure out when they're going to activate him. If not, then they can't future reference, but they will activate him, obviously. Don't have to worry about that part. So it just comes down to when do the Saints feel like Drew Brees is ready to play? And a lot of people have their opinions as to when that should be. It should be this Sunday against the Chiefs in a potential Super Bowl preview between Kansas City and New Orleans. Other people say wait till Friday's game against the Vikings on Christmas Day. It gives them two games to kind of like tune up for the playoffs, if you want to say. And others say, hey, wait until the Panthers game. You know, that gives him uh, about two more weeks to prepare, lets his ribs heal a little bit more, gets him closer to 100% if he ever is going to get to 100% this season. Here's my take on the whole Drew Brees situation, and it is kind of simple. There's a lot of stances as to what you do. This is how I view this whole thing. If Drew Brees can throw without pain, if he has proper range of motion, and he isn't facing a high risk to re-injure his ribs and face more short-term and even long-term injuries, and the medical staff says he's cleared and he feels ready to go and is confident, you play Drew Brees. That if, the, if it's this Sunday, you play Drew Brees. If it's on Christmas, you play Drew Brees. If it's not until the playoffs, okay, you wait, and then you play Drew Brees. Whenever he's ready to go. Whenever he is playing and throwing without pain, when he has that range of motion, he can move around the field. He's confident in his ability to play a full 60 minutes without re-injuring those ribs or re-damaging his lung. He plays. That's how it was last year. That's how it's going to be this year. This year's a little bit different just because the ribs don't heal the way that thumb injury heals. The thumb injury, the reason Drew was always going to beat the timeline is because it was about your rehab, your work. And you know Drew's a workaholic. He, He just goes after it. The ribs, you literally have to sit back and wait. And that's why it's been four weeks since we've seen Breeze play. Now, I think at this point, after reading everything that's come out between Ian Rappaport, Sean Payton's comments, but most importantly, Drew Breeze's comments, I think he wants to play this weekend. I think he's going to do everything in his power to play this weekend, which is good and bad, and we'll talk about all that in a second. But let's get to the comments first. So let's start off with Sean Payton. He didn't provide too much information. He basically goes, we haven't ruled anything out. And then when speaking about Breeze and what goes into that decision, he says he's got ways to go still, and he's someone we're not going to just hurry back and put him in the game. I think the significance of the injuries are such that you've got to make sure he can function and feel confident. Kind of seems like a no-brainer. I know you guys are probably sitting there saying, yeah, no, duh, he has to be confident before you put him out there. Um, This could be Sean protecting, you know, his guy. Drew will always be his guy. And maybe doesn't want to rush him out there. It's a tough game. Um, On the flip side, it could be Sean just doing what Sean always does. He doesn't give you a lot of information. He's not going to tell you on Wednesday who's starting on Sunday against the best team in the NFL. If there's some competitive advantage there to be had, he will take it. And that could be part of the equation here. As for Ian Rappaport, he comes out, he says that things went well. He said Drew threw the ball pretty well. He said he wasn't in a lot of pain. Uh, He said he wasn't ready to say all systems go for Drew. However... 
He did say that Drew is trending in the right direction. So that's a positive sign. And now we get to Drew's comments. And Drew's comments are always the most interesting because it's from the man himself who's dealing with the injury. And Drew comes out and says, I have, I obviously have a plan in place to as to the benchmarks that I need to hit in order to get to where I know that I can play and play effectively. And all I can say is I'm close. That's the most important part. And now, when asked if playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champions, if that adds extra motivation for Drew Brees, in his interview with Mike Neighbors of Cox Sports Television, his immediate reaction, literally without hesitation, absolutely. Because Drew's not playing games here. Drew wants to be in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a litmus test for the Saints to see where they're at week 15 with only three games left in the regular season. Drew obviously wants to play. Now, let's talk about when, well, if he should return, question mark, what his return would mean, and the issue that Drew's not going to be able to fix even when he comes back. Because he's going to fix a lot of the problems for this team, but there's one problem, and I addressed it last podcast, that he is not going to be able to fix, so let's talk about it. So let's talk about if he should return. That's the big question mark surrounding the situation. He obviously should return at some point. This is probably his last season. He was still playing at a high level. Regardless of what morons like Dov Kleiman say, which, you know, Dov Kleiman is just one of the worst on Twitter with his takes, and, you know, Taysom Hill gives them the better chance to win. That is just false. It's just flat-out bullshit. But put that to the side. Drew was playing at a high level. 18 touchdown passes, only three interceptions. His last game in full, in its entirety, before getting the injury to the point where he had to sit out, he had four touchdown passes and no interceptions against the Bucs. That's a pretty damn good game. That's pretty good for a quarterback who people think might be a little washed up. So Drew can still sling it. He's still a top-10 quarterback. We know that. Doesn't have the deep ball. I get that. That's not even a debate. We know that. But Drew, is he gives the Saints the best chance to win. That is a fact. Now, what would his return mean to the Saints? Because obviously he should return if he's healthy enough and, he, and he's ready and it seems like he's getting to that point. What would his return mean? For starters, the offense is 1,000 times better with Drew Brees. They operate better in the two-minute drill. They operate better when they need urgency. One of the big things that really pissed off Saints fans last game was with six minutes left, they're down 10, and this Taysom Hill-led offense is just strolling down the field. You can't take your time in that situation. You need to score as quick as you can. Because you need to assume that the opposing team's going to get the ball back and you need to leave enough time on the clock for you to lead a game-winning drive or game-tying drive. You can't just waltz down the field and take up four minutes, which is what the Saints did with Taysom Hill. You don't have that problem with Drew Brees. The biggest thing, though, and, and this is so important because it didn't matter if it was Taysom Hill and it probably wouldn't have mattered if Jameis Winston played in the four games without Brees. You turn over the football significantly less when Drew's in the lineup. And sure, Drew will have the occasional dumb pick from time to time, or he'll get hit so hard in the sack that he fumbles. But Taysom Hill has fumbled 10 times this season. 10 times. He's only started four games, but he has 10 fumbles. And then you go to Jameis, who I am 100% sure, and people say you can't be 100% sure without seeing it, but I feel pretty confident in saying this. If Jameis Winston played 16 games under Sean Payton, he's not throwing 30 interceptions. Will he throw a lot of interceptions? Probably because he's a gunslinger by nature, but he's not throwing 30 picks. But... With Winston, you have to assume, though, that he's still going to throw a lot of interceptions. So whether it was Winston with picks or Taysom Hill with fumbles, the quarterback not named Drew Brees is going to turn over the football at a high level. Drew, what he has done exceptionally well over the last couple of years, is not turning over the football. Four picks last year, five, I think, the year before that, three this season. Drew does a good job of taking care of the football. And now another thing, and this probably goes under the radar the most when it comes to uh, not having Drew Brees, 
And this is really because their styles don't match. Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara are just not the perfect fit. So let's go to Alvin Kamara's games with the Saints when Taysom Hill's in the lineup. Against the Falcons, no catches. Against the Broncos, one catch. Against the Falcons, the second time, two catches. And then against the Eagles, seven catches. So that really ramped up late in the game when they were dumping it off. But here's what I find really important. The yards, especially receiving yards, are just not there. With Taysom Hill, zero yards, negative two yards, nine yards, 44 yards. Games that he's had this season with Drew Brees, 95 yards, 139 yards, 74 yards, 65 yards, 96 yards, 83 yards. When Drew's in there, he's going to get the ball to Kamara. And you guys might be livid with the amount of checkdowns that happen, the amount of times Drew just throws it back at the line of scrimmage to Kamara instead of taking a shot deep. But I'll tell you what, after watching what's happened with Taysom Hill, I'm 99% sure you guys are going to watch the Saints game Sunday if Brees plays. And every time he checks down the ball to Kamara, you're going to be like, you know what, I will absolutely take that. Then Taysom Hill sitting in the pocket, waiting for something to materialize that's not going to happen, getting sacked, fumbling the football, and costing his team on that particular drive. And again, I'm not here to bash Taysom Hill. I thought Taysom Hill actually did some really good things in the four games that he's been the starter. But the one thing about Drew is he gets the ball out quick. Taysom could hold on to the football. Jameis could sometimes hold on to the football. Drew gets it out quick. He gets it out to the playmakers. That's why Michael Thomas and Kamara are used at such a high clip because Drew gets the ball to them in space, and he knows. My job, it doesn't matter about throwing the ball 20, 30 yards deep. Throw it five, throw it 10, but get the ball in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara's hands and good things will happen. And that usually is the case. Now, I mentioned three things that the offense will improve on. They're going to be more efficient, less turnovers, more usage from Kamara. There's one thing that Drew Brees can't fix. And you guys know this and I know this and it's a legitimate issue. And if the Saints don't win in the playoffs this year, I think we're all going to look back and it's going to stem from this issue. There's other reasons why they might not get to the Super Bowl, but this is going to be the big one. The interior offensive line stinks. It absolutely stinks. It doesn't matter if it's Andrews Pete. doesn't matter if Cesar Ruiz. doesn't matter if it's Nick Easton. The Saints don't have good guard play. They don't. And sure, their tackles can be dynamic in Armstead and Ramchek. And their center, Eric McCoy, can be having a really good second year. And those are all true. But at the end of the day, the reason the Saints are in this position is the same reason they were in the position last year with Breeze getting hurt. Their guards are not good. Last year was Andrews Pete getting, getting beat, coincidence. And Aaron Donalds basically hits Drew Brees' thumb on the follow-through. Drew's out for five games. This year, Drew takes a shot by the 49ers. Previously took a shot by the Buccaneers. But takes a shot. Who's the fault on that play? Cesar Ruiz. And after seeing what happened with Andrews Pete last week against the Eagles, a a decent defensive line. Not great. Decent. I'll say good. I'll say above average. He got beat multiple times. And now... Drew gets the ball out quick, and I, I've acknowledged that before, and he absolutely will. They're gonna, there's going to be a point where he's going to take a massive hit because this offensive line, at least the guards, cannot do their job. And they're facing Chris Jones this weekend, one of the best defensive linemen in the league. And there's going to be a time where Drew gets hit, and we're going to collectively hold our breath, and we got to wait to see if he gets up. And that is what really keeps us all up at night. And I'm sure it keeps Sean Payton up at night. It keeps Drew Brees up at night. It'll probably keep us, us fans up at night because it's a problem. And it's a problem that can't be fixed because they don't have the personnel. And the worst part is the Saints knew. They knew this was the problem this season. And I'm not bashing the Saints. The Saints are 10-3. and three. They're playing well. They can win a Super Bowl just as much as any other team not named the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have a little bit of an edge over every other team. But the Saints are absolutely a Super Bowl contender. 
but they knew they needed to fix the guard play, so they got rid of Warford, they brought in Ruiz, they re-signed Andrews P. None of those moves have worked. None of them. And when you get to that point and you realize that what you try to fix, the one thing you prioritize in the offseason you didn't correct, you feel like that's on you. And we're going to see what's going to happen, but it's something, guys, that I just can't ignore. And as good as Drew Brees, as good as he is, guys, and how quick he gets that football out of the hands, man, the interior of this offensive line, it just keeps you guessing and keeps you wondering what the hell is going to happen in a big game because we saw what the Vikings did last year to them. Got to imagine some, at some point it could cost them at some point. Now, let's talk about the injury report for New Orleans and Kansas City because, frankly, they're both loaded with pretty big names, but I, I don't think it's really too much to worry about, but let's get into them here. For the Saints, the, uh, not practicing this Wednesday. Malcolm Brown with a shoulder injury. Nick Easton with a concussion. Malcolm Roach and Tommy Lee Lewis because of an illness. Hopefully they're all right. Uh, Deontay Harris, neck injury, that's a concern. And then Michael Thomas, ankle injury. So let's start off with getting out some of them. Roach and, and uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, if it's just an illness and it's not COVID-related, you'd assume they'd be back later in the week and should be available to play. Not that you want Tommy Lee Lewis playing, but we'll see what happens. Michael Thomas, I'm not worried about this. I said this a couple weeks ago, and I think the Saints are absolutely doing this. This is full-on Kawhi Leonard load management. You might not like it, but it works because you're seeing now on Sundays, Michael Thomas looks fresh. He looks healthy. And if that means you sit him out, on Wednesdays because of an ankle injury, and Thursday's a little limited, and then Friday's a full go, and then on Sunday, he looks like the top receiver in football. You take it every day of the week. So, not worried about that. Nick Easton, that one's a concern. I don't expect him to play this week. I don't know if he's going to play on Friday, Christmas, short week against the Vikings. So, that one's a concern. So, it could be Ruiz getting back-to-back starts here. Malcolm Brown's the big one because he's their best one-tech in the defensive line. And then, second, the run game is just not that good without him. And you saw it last week. Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts ran for over 100 yards each. That's a problem. You need Malcolm Brown in the lineup. We'll see what happens there. Deontay Harris, though, is the big concern. Neck injuries are tricky. And it, it felt like he was turning the corner last week because he started practicing on a limited basis. But now he's a, uh, a, you know, a non-participant. You hope that he turns the corner here because Deontay's the type of guy that really changes the game. He flips the field position. And the one thing the Saints don't have when Tommy, Lew- Tommy Lee Lewis excuse me, is there, he doesn't flip anything. You might as well stick Tommy Lee Jones back there. You're not moving the football. He'll fair catch it too for all I care at his old age. But seriously, Deontay Harris can flip the field. Tommy Lee Lewis, uh, he just fair catches it or he runs horizontal for about 20 yards, but then he realizes he only gained two. So they need Deontay Harris back. Hopefully that's not a big deal. Now let's get to the limited. Ryan Ramchek elbow, I think he'll be okay. Marcus Davenport quad, going to monitor that because you never know with Davenport, but you think he's going to be okay. Did play the full game against the Eagles. And then Andrews Pete with a foot injury. That one's like the insult to injury because this guy is always hurt and he's always playing bad. Um, and when he has his good moments, I call him out and I'm like, man, that's a great block. He pancakes someone. But lately it's been all bad and he got called out by Sean Payton this week. He, he specifically said Andrews Pete needs to play better. He needs to be healthy because they don't have him. I don't know how you play Drew Brees without your starting guards. You're going to go into the game with Ruiz and Patrick Omame as your starting guards? Good luck. I don't know about that, but that's a that's a tough challenge um, if you're the Saints. Now, let's go to the Chiefs. Guys that were not practicing. Mike Remmers, offensive tackle, back and neck injury. Eric Fisher, left tackle, back injury. That's a, a key one. Damian Wilson, knee injury. That's important. And then we got some interesting ones. Derek Nandi, uh, ankle injury. Uh, you have Alex Okafor, former Saints, knee injury. Tyree Kill, hamstring injury, full participant. My gut feeling is this is the usual Saints tradition. Big player on the injury report, does play against the Saints, but leaves you guessing enough and hoping that they don't play, but then they do. Here's the deal with Tyreek. 
Tyreek pulled up short on a run against the Dolphins late in the game, grabbed his hammy. The fact that he was a full participant tells me that that thing's recovering well. There is always the off chance that with a hamstring injury because they're so sensitive that you could just pull it again, and that could be a problem. So I'm sure um, that it could happen, but I'm going to say Tyreek Hill plays. So that's what we'll leave it. But the, the Mike Remmers and Eric Fisher one are big because those are offensive tackles for, for the Chiefs that you need to block for Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see what happens with the injury report later this week. Remember, I'm recording this on a Wednesday night, so it obviously could change. But as of now, that's what to look at. So let's talk about the other quarterback. We talked about Drew Brees. Let's talk about the other guy, Patrick Mahomes. One of the best that we've seen in a long time. Clearly the best in the business right now. Defending Mahomes, it's not easy I don't even know if it's possible necessarily, but there are ways to limit him, I guess. And, and even when you limit him, like, so let's go to last week. The, the Dolphins forced him into three interceptions. He still completed 71% of his passes. He just missed out on having 400 passing yards, and he had two touchdown passes. The three picks is bad. Don't get me wrong. But you complete 71% of your passes, you have 400 yards passing, and that's a bad day for you. That's a bad day for you. 80, not 80, but 70, 70, I'd say 70 or 60% of quarterbacks would take that stat line a heartbeat. Even though it's three picks, you take it. That's how good Mahomes is. So what do you do? What did the Dolphins do particularly well? First off, the Dolphins had speed, and they didn't miss. Like, there was a play where Jerome Baker sacks Patrick Mahomes for a loss of 30. That's the type of play. You whiff on that. All right, good luck, because he's throwing that ball 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards down the field, whatever it might be, to Tyreek Hill. If you missed that tackle, but he didn't. So it was a good play. But what I noticed with Miami, and this is something the Saints are going to have to do. If you can get home with your front four and you can force him to be a quick decision maker, it doesn't mean when Patrick Mahomes is making quick decisions, he's a bad quarterback. He's still one of the best in the league. But what's deadly is when Mahomes gets to extend the play, when he gets to roll out of the pocket and everything's off script. When he's off script, you're done. You're absolutely done. He's going to force you into a mistake. He's going to force you into a PI. He's going to throw a touchdown pass. He's going to roll out and gain 20 yards in a scramble. You name it, he can do it. But you want to make him get the ball out quick. That's what you want to do. And even when you get the ball out quick, then you have the second battle, which is stopping the playmakers. I'll talk about those guys in a sec. But with Patrick Mahomes, and I noticed it with the Dolphins, they made him throw the ball quick. There was a couple of screen passes he didn't necessarily want to throw, but he just fired it quickly, ended up in a pick. Um, the only ball that I really thought was really bad, it was the Javian Howard one-handed pick. Mahomes, if he puts more touch on that and he throws a little bit more, he probably hits his guy in the back of the end zone or it's incomplete, didn't put enough. But Miami has the luxury of two elite corners, Xavier Howard with nine picks on the season and Byron Jones. The Saints don't have that. And the Saints' best corner this year is Janoris Jenkins. I don't care if you don't like that and you're going to say Marshawn Lattimore is the better corner. He's not the better corner this year. Lattimore needs to play better, and I will absolutely address him in a little bit. But Janoris Jenkins is their best corner this year, and, and that's something that Saints don't have that luxury. So you want to hit with your front hook four, which struggled against the Eagles, so I don't know how they're going to play against the Chiefs. You'd assume they bounce back, but you never know. And you want him to make a quick decision. The longer he holds onto the football, the longer your guys have to cover in the back end, the more likely it is that he gets a big play. So that's it's that simple when it comes to Mahomes. Do you want him to beat you with... The quick passes, which I think you kind of live with, you never want to get beat on those big home run plays. And the one thing the, the Buccaneers did terribly wrong, and I don't understand it, is they did not have a plan for Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's always going to have a big game. It's just in his nature because he's a speed guy, and he really is the fastest receiver in the National Football League. But don't let him obliterate you like the way the Buccaneers did with 200-plus touchdowns. I, I just don't get it. 
I, I really don't get it. So let's talk about the playmakers because I talked about them before. So let's talk about them. Travis, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Those are the big names. And obviously you have Miko Harmon's a good player. Sammy Watkins is a great one. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, former LSU guy who you guys love. Obviously those are all good playmakers. So the Chiefs have an, embar- an embarrassment of riches. But Kelsey and, Tra- and Tyreek Hill are the big ones here. So let's talk about Tyreek Hill. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey. What is considered a bad game for Tyreek Hill? I would say a bad game for Tyreek Hill is this. Six catches for 58 yards and one carry for 30 yards. That was against the Broncos two weeks ago. That's a bad game for him. What can a good game look like for Tyreek Hill? It could look like nine catches for 113 yards against the Panthers. It could look like 11 catches for 102 yards against the Raiders. Or it could look like 13 catches for 269 yards against the Buccaneers. So it's almost like, what's the damage? Because the damage is going to happen, so what's the damage? Like the old guy at the bar at Applebee's when he gets the bill and he says, what's the damage? And everyone just has to make that fake laugh. What is the damage with Tyreek Hill? If you're the Saints, I think you can live with what Miami gave up last week. And it was 79 receiving yards, 32 rushing yards. I I think you can absolutely live with that. But unfortunately, I think that's on the optimistic side. But if the Saints give up just that, I I think they're in great shape to win this game. Um, And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Tyreek Hill can explode. So what do you do with him? My suggestion really is I would put Tyreek matched up with Janoris Jenkins with safety help. Serious safety help. Like this is a game where if Marcus Williams doesn't play well, the Saints are in a bad spot. He needs to play as well as he did against the Falcons two weeks ago when he was making great breaks on the ball on on passes to Calvin Ridley, passes to Julio Jones. You name it, he was making plays. I don't trust Marshawn Lattimore on Tyreek Hill because I don't think this is a good matchup for Marshawn Lattimore. There are a couple of receivers that Marshawn Lattimore matches up well with. Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, those are guys that he can hold his own against. Tyreek Hill is shifty and he's got a quick twitch. And those are the type of guys that have given Marshawn Lattimore fits for a while. We've seen it. We saw it with Calvin Ridley. Tyreek Hill's better. He's faster. He's quicker in terms of release. I think that's a horrible matchup against Marshawn Lattimore. So if you put Lattimore on Tyreek Hill and you think that's going to solve the problem, the only problem you're going to have after that game is that the Saints gave up 200 yards receiving. Lattimore, in my opinion, I think the best bet is put Lattimore on Sammy Watkins and hope that Lattimore erases Watkins from the game. And I think he can do that. If Lattimore takes it serious, I absolutely think he could erase Watkins from the game. So that would take out one weapon from Mahomes, and you're really down to what do we do with Kelsey, what do we do with with, uh, Tyree Kill. So Tyree Kill, Janoris, and safety help, I don't even know if that's enough. Probably isn't enough, but I think that's what I would go with. As for Kelsey, I'm putting Gardner Johnson on him, and I'm living with the consequences. That's the way I'm going to view it. The Saints have been good against tight ends this year. The one tight end that gave them serious problems was Darren Waller, who was a beast on Monday Night Football. But since then, the Saints have gotten better against tight ends like Gronk, Jimmy Graham, uh, Hayden Hurst, Noah Fant, and Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz this past week against Eagles. So the Saints are better at defending tight ends. Kelsey's the best one they've faced this year. They are fortunate not to see Kittle against the 49ers. So what does Kelsey do? Kelsey, and this is similar to Tyreek Hill, what are you going to let it be? Kelsey is actually, and this is crazy, he's been better than Tyreek Hill this year consistency eight catches for 136 yards in back-to-back games like who has the same stat line in back-to-back games like that that's nuts for me the game before eight catches for 82 yards the one before that eight catches for 127 yards he's had at least eight catches in one two three four six straight games guys six straight games he's had at least eight catches so you know he's going to get the football you put Gardner Johnson on him you live with the consequences and you hope that either Gardner Johnson or Quan 
jumps around on one of the plays. Gardner Johnson almost had a pick six on Sunday. You just pray that they jump around on one play and they give up a couple of big plays, but they get one back, and that one back could be the difference between whether or not you can win a game like this. So I would put Gardner Johnson on him, let those two trash talk the hell out of each other for 60 minutes, and you live with it. You absolutely live with it. But Kelsey's been insane this year. 90 catches for 1,250 yards and nine touchdowns. Almost every number. He's got more receiving yards, more touchdowns than last year. Eight more catches and a lot more catches than last year, too, with two more games to go after Sunday. So he's just been incredible at an all-time pace. He's a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, no doubt. So the Saints have their work cut out for them with those two. So Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, you know they're going to beat you. How much are they beating you by? That is the question. But the Saints are way better equipped defensively than they've been in years. So you hope they can slow down the Chiefs. But obviously, that's going to be hard. Now, three keys to victory. And I know some of you are probably laughing because you're like, the Chiefs are going to win this game. So why are we talking about three keys to victory? I'm not so sure. I tweeted this a couple days ago. And and this is especially true of Drew Brees' plays. This is either going to be the Steelers game of 2018 or the Niners game of 2019. You're either going to win in crazy fashion at the last minute or you are going to lose in heartbreaking fashion at the last minute. But I don't think there's an in-between, because I think the Chiefs, as good as the Chiefs are, they kind of have this season on cruise control. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but there are times where the Chiefs start off slow, and then Mahomes is just so damn good. He's like Steph Curry from three-point land, where it's deep shot after deep shot after deep shot. And then you look at the scoreboard, and you were up 10, and now you're down 14. Like, that's how they turn it. They have become the Warriors of the NFL. So... How do you manage to beat a team that's only won, lost one game in the calendar year 2020? Insane that I even said that. Like, that's, that's just nuts, but it's the truth. So how do you beat them? Number one, and this is so important, especially with the struggles for Will Lutz, you don't settle for field goals. You be aggressive. You, you take three against Patrick Mahomes. Okay, every time you take three, put a minus four to the scoreboard for your, for your total. Every time you settle for three, Add another four for the opponent because they're just going to get touchdowns and touchdowns. And look, they do put Harrison Bucker to work, so don't get me wrong. They kick field goals too. But every time that you have to settle for a field goal opposed to a touchdown, it feels like a setback against the Chiefs because you constantly feel like you have to match score for score. So what does that mean for the Saints? you got to be aggressive. If you're inside Chiefs territory and it's fourth and short, fourth and manageable, you go for it. And if it's third and long, you turn that third and long into a fourth and manageable. And you don't really worry about the first down necessarily on third down because you know it's four down territory. That's what that's how dangerous the Chiefs have become. And if you don't think that's true, you got to go look at last year's playoffs. They were down 24 nothing to the Texans. The Texans have a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And a 24-point lead wasn't enough because the Chiefs, when they're on, and Patrick Mahomes is doing his thing, you got to score touchdowns. And they couldn't do it towards the end. And the Chiefs ran away with it. The Chiefs were down 24, and they ended up blowing out the Texans by 20-plus points. Like, that's how good this team is. So, you don't settle for field goals. You got to be aggressive. Number two, and this was something I noticed against Miami last week for the Chiefs game. You need to capitalize when the Chiefs make a mistake. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions. And he threw three interceptions. And after he threw the first two quickly, I think the Dolphins were only up, I believe, 10 nothing. And 10 nothing doesn't cut it. And this goes back to the field goal thing. If they turn over the football, you have to turn that into seven points. And if you don't, you literally just let them off the hook. And when you let them off the hook, you know they're going to strike back the next drive. You just know they are. So if you're going to make force them into mistakes, and I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen. Mahomes threw three picks on Sunday. Do I think he's throwing three picks again? No, absolutely not. Does he throw one? Maybe, but even then, he's only thrown picks in three games this year. Dolphins, Raiders, Raiders again. So 
only one team not named the Raiders has forced Mahomes in an interception this year. Like, how nuts is that? Like, that is just absurd. The guy is on, playing on another level. So, capitalize on Kansas City mistakes. Don't settle for field goals. Those are two. And they kind of go 1A, 1B, but those are the two keys for me. The third one, and, and this one is something that we've seen time and time again with great quarterbacks. Control the clock. Control the clock. Keep Mahomes off the field. Better chance of you winning the game. He can't hurt you when he's on the sidelines. He's going to hurt you when he's on the field and he's in between those hash marks. When he's on the sidelines, he can't hurt you. And the Colts last year, 2019, with Jacoby Brissett, Colts were a forgettable team, obviously, in 2019. Not so much this year. They're a formidable team. But in 2019 with Jacoby Brissett, the Colts went into Arrowhead and they won. And the whole NFL world was like, what the hell just happened? How did they lose? And then you look at the time of possession and the Colts held the ball for over 37 minutes. If you only give Mahomes 23 minutes to work with, he probably still beats most teams. But if you run the football well and you capitalize every time you're holding the football, you're in a good, you're in a really good spot to win. And that's what the Colts did. They held the football for 37 minutes. For literally two-thirds of the game, they controlled the clock. And because of that, they left Arrowhead with a win. Now, this is in the Dome, so this is obviously different. It's a little bit more of an advantage. When you play an Arrowhead and they have about like 15,000 fans this year, so they're making noise. That's different. But in the Dome, you control the clock, you capitalize on Kansas City mistakes, and you don't settle for field goals. And control the clock is key. With Drew, they're really that West Coast methodical offense. You're going to use Camaro a lot, use Murray a decent amount, a lot of short passes, but you move the chains and you take time off the clock. That's big. That is really big. And those are three things the Saints are going to need to do. Now, with all that said, when making my pick, I still think it's a Chiefs win, and, and I think it's like a 30-27 to 27 or 27-24 to 24 game. And I think it's Mahomes with a game-winning drive. But like I said before, guys, this can go the Steelers route. Where it could be Mahomes with a chance to win the game, throws it to someone who fumbles, and that's the game. And the Saints somehow pull it out and beat the defending Super Bowl champions. So that is possible. But making my prediction, I got Chiefs 27-24. I think Mahomes will have a game-winning drive late. But by no means am I one of those uh, one of those analysts or podcasters that's going to sit here and tell you this is going to be a blowout because I think that's false. I think the Saints coming off a bad loss to the Eagles, they're going to play with their heads on fire, hair on fire. They're going to play really good football, um, and it just comes down to can you force that one big turnover late in the game? And if you do, then you have a really good shot of winning. And if not, then it really comes down to letting Mahomes dictate and control the outcome and that's not gonna end well for you but i do think 27 24 is a really fair score um and this is me thinking drew's gonna play uh that's my feeling right now i'm kind of like 75 25 breeze plays on sunday against the chiefs it should be an excellent game i think everyone outside of arizona is watching this game sorry arizona you could watch the eagles cardinals game but everyone's gonna be this is basically a nationally televised game jim nance tony romo on the call should be an act, uh, you know, an absolute blast. And who knows? Maybe it's a Super Bowl preview. We've been saying Saints Chiefs for three years. Third year might be the charm. We'll figure it out. But it should be a good one. Might have Breeze. Might have Mahomes uh, in their first duel against each other. Should be a dynamic matchup between a Hall of Famer and another guy who's going to eventually make the Hall of Fame at the route that he's going to. But I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. Enjoy this upcoming game between the Saints and Chiefs. If you haven't already, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes at Straight Up Saints. Get ready for a fun game, guys. Make sure you have your, I guess, your beer near you. You're going to need a couple of drinks for this one, especially if Mahomes has the ball late in the game. But again, appreciate you guys very much, and I'll talk to you guys right after this Saints-Chiefs game.